Brian Kilmeade uh, is a guy that uh, I don't know. Is something about coming on before you, Brian, that makes uh, that makes people unable to answer routine uh, trivia questions. It is a great deal of. Uh, it's my pleasure as always to welcome New York Times best-selling author, co-host of Fox and Friends, and a nationally syndicated radio talk show host, Brian Kilmeade. Hello, Brian. Hey, Frank, uh, to tell you the truth, you kind of did it to yourself. You said ten. You're going to get ten easy uh, questions. Yeah, you're well, right. Let, you're so right. you you kind of brought I, this on yourself. I, I did jinx it. I did jinx it. Hey, by the way, I my wife and I have uh, been watching Ted Lasso. Now I know you're a soccer guy, a soccer player, and a lot of your family is soccer. Have you seen this show? I know you don't watch a lot of TV because you're re- busy doing six or no, seven hours of TV. You have. Tell, give me your review of it. Well, number one, uh, in the beginning, I said to myself, "Oh, this is just such a stretch." And then you realize uh, the show had heart. I think the very first season, one of the first episodes, going through a divorce, and usually divorce is a bad guy, there's a good guy, just pass as part of a storyline. But you saw the subtlety of just two people, three, you know, thousands of miles away, go, you know what, Um, I got to move on. So you saw this funny, uh, goofy coach who didn't really know anything about soccer, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you see the human side with the sun. I thought, wow. This almost reminds me a little of the Cheers taxi type stuff where you are watching a show and it's interesting and it's goofy. And then all of a sudden they show real heart mm. and they care about the characters. I think what happens is people started really caring about uh, Ted Lasso and the team. And, and it turns out the, these premier soccer players, the, the soccer players in England, England loves Ted Lasso. And you would think that they would have no time for it because it's totally implausible. Yeah, so uh, it sounds like you you like the show too, uh, yeah. even with your soccer background. Well, I really enjoy it for a lot of the reasons you stated. It does have heart, and, and it's just fun. It is fun, but it also has heart. It's one of those uh, one of those things. So I'm glad uh, I don't have your soccer. We're ready expertise. for another season. I think is it another season here? I'm not sure. You know, we're way behind. It takes me years. How big uh, is your staff, Frank? Can somebody look this up? I mean, do I have to do everything? No, I, I, I think um, so. There have been two seasons, as I understand it, but I, I imagine the third one will be in the offing so so far. So, um, but uh, all right, Brian, it's Hurricane Day. Obviously, I don't want to be a flippant talking about a serious hurricane that's causing a lot of destruction. We've been getting updates from Florida for the last couple of uh, of hours. Um, w- what is your game plan when you're you know hosting the leading morning show on cable news and there's a day like this, a lot of people out of out of power? How much of a challenge is that in terms of coverage? Uh, well, today, I mean, you're talking about the fifth biggest storm, and it's really all storm all the time. I don't know if I'm doing anything. Uh, I'm going to uh, spread it out on radio, but I don't think we're doing anything different from uh, from the hurricane. Which, For me personally, um, I was able to get a house in Ponte Vedra, and it's being slammed right now. I have mm. no idea what's happening. I was able to, to get somebody to move uh, furniture in uh, to my garage, uh, but for the most part, it, you know, we're I'm about four blocks from the ocean, and they say this is unprecedented. Michael Waltz is my congressman down there, so I'm gonna. I was texting with him last night. So right now, the focus is on northern Florida, and they're bracing for Georgia, and they have a state of emergency up to Virginia. And Governor Yunkin was on our couch yesterday, so he he really was believed that this is going to be a the big event going all the way up north, and now the sun comes up for the first time. So in our show. Because they don't have any streetlights, you know, uh, what was it, 1.5 million without power They're minimum. saying it could be over 2 million, yeah. Yeah. So now uh, we'll watch the sun come up on the show. So by the time I get on the air after uh, Bernie and Sid, 
we'll have a, a real idea of the scope of the damage, and uh, mostly it's uh, water. I thought it was interesting that Governor DeSantis said they only lost the last major storm. They only lost seven people during the storm, and the other 50-plus were people going back into their houses and getting hurt and getting electrocuted because you're going in waist-high water with power lines. So this is going to be uh, – these next two days are going to be key. Mm. Uh, you think that we could be in store for a storm along the magnitude of the destruction of a, of a Sandy? Or do you think, based on what we're seeing so far and what you're seeing at Fox, that uh, this won't be as bad? Hmm. Or, I mean, uh, I I that's, it's a great question. I know one thing. I mean, you got about 40,000 people ready to go. I mean, one thing about Florida, they can do it. They know how to recover. They know how to rebuild. They know how to get the power up. And then you got Senator Ron Johnson, eight years as governor, did a great job. I think he had seven or eight major hurricanes. And then in the backdrop, you have former congressman in Florida, grew up in Florida, and now he's governor of Florida. And, you know, he is not going to be unprepared. I was talking to Jared Kushner. And I said, Jared, who's the one always calling you every day during the pandemic asking questions? He said, oh, nobody touched DeSantis. Every day we would talk about six in the morning. He'd get all the stats. He'd have to have all the numbers. And I just think logically he's the perfect guy. He's got that military background, very organizational ability. And I think we're going to see it now. But prepare for two weeks. They say two weeks of uh, stress and strife. You you alluded to Rick Scott, the uh, former governor of Florida, who's now in the U.S. Senate there. Uh, as best you know, I and mean, you have all the best sources in, um, in in television news, do do Ron DeSantis and Rick Scott have a good professional relationship? Would DeSantis uh, tap into, say, Rick Scott's institutional memory on managing something like a, a storm like, like this? I think now you would think... They would uh, because he's got so much experience. But for the most part, I don't think there there's much love lost there. I think there's a sense, my opinion, in talking to both, that maybe uh, Congressman DeSantis should have been a little bit more gracious to Senator Rick Scott, who was Governor Rick Scott, mm. and maybe the transition would have been a little bit better. But I think Ron DeSantis walks in and goes, I got this. And I think it kind of put uh, Rick Scott off a little bit. There's been a lot of um, coverage citing this anonymous source, that anonymous source, that Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump, who used to have a very good relationship, how that relationship, because they both view one another as potential rivals for 2024, that relationship has soured a great deal with Trump viewing DeSantis as disloyal and DeSantis taking issue with some of the things Trump has done and said. Uh, What are you hearing about that relationship, the DeSantis-Trump relationship? I would just be wary of this. Be wary of who's pulling the strings. Because over the weekend, we hear this story, we read this story in the New York Times, the Washington Post, not there's much of a difference, that a big rivalry between Abbott and DeSantis, that DeSantis went and scooped up those illegal immigrants and brought them to Martha's Vineyard and became the story when Abbott was doing it all along and vice versa. There's a long, these two have a long history of trying to trump each other. And I'm thinking to myself, two days later, story in Drudge emerges that behind the scenes, uh, Ron DeSantis calls President Trump a moron. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, okay, within three days, you're trying to take out the front runner. And what you're doing is fracturing. You're fracturing. So you're not going to really be able to hurt the successful governor. 
but you can begin to fracture some of the people around him. And soon, I'm sure, Frank, we're going to be hopping on and saying, did you hear about that story that uh, Governor DeSantis doesn't treat his staffers well? Or did you hear that uh, he doesn't like taking advice? So you're going to hear all these negative character traits from alleged um, insiders. I'd be wary of that. I, I would think Trump is going to declare probably November if the midterms go well, if if Blake Masters loses, Dr. Oz loses, uh, if Herschel Walker loses, if Mastriano gets crushed like he's about to. I think that that's really going to be trouble for Trump. But if he do, goes well, if it goes well for him, a lot of his, his hand-picked guys win, or as, you know, as well as the governor in, in the governor's race of Arizona— then I would I would say that he'll probably declare in, in November, and they say that if DeSantis is going to run, he's ready to go in January. So let's say the uh, Trumpian candidates don't do well. Uh, you mentioned Dr. Oz and uh, Mastriano, among others. Well, what do you think that portends for the future of a Trump candidacy? Do you it doesn't think that, help. Well, it doesn't help. It makes him vulnerable. It makes others think they can run in, and, and he can only deliver his base. You know, he's he's just a base guy. Uh, they could never win the general. And the, the whole approach to beating Trump would be great guy, great policies, can't win the general. We can't afford to lose. And the other thing they're going to attack Trump on, because it's benign and true, is lame duck. Like, you know, this president, he did a great job, but we can't really elect somebody that can't run for reelection. Mm-hmm. It'll be bad for the party. So that's why X, Y or Z is running. So I look for that to play a role. Interesting. Uh, you know, I am interested to see, and I hate to make, take, make a crisis political, but when you're talking about politicians, unfortunately, everything's political. We've seen a lot of uh, public officials sort of rise to the occasion when there's been a major crisis. I don't think there's a better example than uh, Mayor Giuliani in the aftermath of September 11th, but a lot of people felt similarly about Governor Cuomo in the early stages of the COVID pandemic. And we've seen a lot of politicians uh, falter when it comes time to uh, do some serious crisis management. Best example I could think of is Ray Nagin during Hurricane Katrina. If if Ron DeSantis handles this crisis well, he could really improve his standing in terms of uh, how he appeals to people beyond sort of an ultra-conservative base couldn't he? Yeah, I mean, and Joe Biden finally called him after three days. And uh, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, when she was trying to spin that, well, the president never called the governor of Mississippi during the water crisis, and that worked out. Really? So he he didn't show any leadership during the uh, the crisis in Mississippi because it's a Republican state. So I think I'll try that negligence when it comes <laughs> to Florida. Hey, thanks, Miss Press Secretary. You really made things better. So the next day, they actually spoke. And I think that if DeSantis stays nonpartisan for the next two weeks, it works. Told Tucker last night, uh, I really expect cooperation. Had a good conversation. But he can't hug. Uh, Don't do the – what happened with Governor Christie and he hugged uh, Obama during Sandy and he never recovered from that. Even though there's – you know, it's a human emotion during a time in which uh, the state of New Jersey, most of which are listening to you now, Frank, uh, was devastated. He grew up there, hugged him, never recovered. So I just think that uh, the guy who's been extremely critical of Biden, justifiably, has been Governor DeSantis. They've gone to war on the pandemic, literal war. He represented everything that Biden wouldn't do, open people up, found out the science, let give people the power to make their own decisions, let them live their lives, let businesses exist, don't write them blank checks. Uh, It's just the exact opposite. But if he keeps it nonpartisan, but if he goes out of his way and says, Joe Biden's done a fantastic job, you know, you don't need that. 
Keep it nonpartisan. The president of the United States, he goes, I asked him for a full refund of all we have spent uh, for this storm. We'll see what he says. That's yeah. what he said yesterday. It's going to be uh, very interesting to see uh, see how things uh, how things play out. Um, what's coming up on One Nation this weekend? Do you have the show ra- in in you know the planning stages yet, or is that yeah? Premature? I mean, uh, One Nation coming up at eight and ten o'clock this weekend. Uh, we are definitely going to be talking to Laura Ingram's going to be joining me to kick it off. Angel Earhart's going to close the show. She's got a book out. We're going to do a uh, we do a news duel at the end. We go through as many stories as possible, and we're going to focus on parents, which is also a, a pretty big deal. Uh, and then we're looking at a few other things. We're looking at Blake Masters or Herschel Walker. Uh, we're going to decide where we're going to go with that. Jimmy Falia will join us as well. And also we're going to look at this big story in New Jersey, uh, this, this New Jersey, inside this radical sex ed curriculum. Uh, the, these teachers in the elementary school were told they must talk about sex to uh, elementary schools and middle schoolers and, of course, gender. And they're going to go through things like uh, the fundamentals of anal sex and abortion. This is in grammar school. So this is emblematic of something that happens in pockets across the country. I didn't think it was happening in New Jersey, but that is why people need school choice. Uh, excuse me, that's what you're doing? We're going to the Catholic school down the block, the charter school three miles away. Uh, we're going to another district. If you have the money to do it, if people, if they can do what they did in Arizona and give uh, little Johnny and little Sally that $12,000 a year that we have invested, uh, they can take it with them to the school they want. Well, uh, on the plus side, as terrible as that graphic sex education is, at least there probably won't be all sorts of children rushing to skip out of class when those lessons are taught. Uh, right. <laughs> the yours will be on the ground, and they'll have a lot of fun questions. Uh, when they, <laughs> that's right. Uh, Mom, I'm staying for extra help today. Uh, that's right. Hey, uh, looks like the Giants will not spend the season undefeated after last week. Uh, I am sparing the audience my football picks uh, this week. Uh, if you were to give one Kilmeade guarantee for people's uh, – uh, betting pleasure or for their local football pools or just for fun, what is the Kilmeade pick of the week for this weekend's NFL games? Uh, well, I will say this. Uh, I haven't really dove into it, and I should because Will Kane set us up with that uh, fantasy league, so we are doing that. Um, uh, but in terms of uh, I think that at least the, the Jets will get a real quarterback back. I think we're going to look forward to that locally. Uh, they get their starter back. Uh, I think the bigger news happened last night when Aaron Judge hit number uh, 61. 61. Sure. So that was pretty. That was pretty good. In terms of uh, matchups, let me take a look at these matchups this weekend. Um, I think the biggest story so far this year might be Jacksonville. I think you uh, might agree with me on that. No doubt about it. Well, I mean, I think Jets and Steelers is going to be a pretty good game, but uh, especially as you point out the uh, the return of uh, of a real of a better quarterback. Anyway. So we'll see. So so roll, roll off some. Um, to give me some matchups. Yeah. I'll okay. Give you yeah. A no. No. Here we'll give you. So in terms of the the Thursday night game, you have Cincinnati and Miami. Miami is uh, favored by three and a half. Right. You got um, Minnesota and uh, New Orleans. You got uh, Cleveland and Atlanta. Buffalo and Baltimore. Uh, Dallas. And All right. Ro- I'll give you a lock. You ready? Okay. I'm ready. Kansas City. I think Tampa's going to have to go to Minnesota. So I'm going to take Kansas City uh, to win by ten over uh, over Tampa. All right. Well, Kansas I think Brady's City's got underdog. some problems. Yeah. Personal. I don't. I think his offense is way out of sync. They're living off their defense. They're two and one on the year. Kansas City just got thumped and shocked, and I think they're ready to explode. <laughs> 
The Kilmeade Guarantee, uh, Kansas City uh, getting two and a half points. The Kilmeade Guarantee is go with KC. All right, Brian, it is always a treat to talk with you. We'll be listening um, and uh, we'll be monitoring this uh, this hurricane, not only on uh, television, but listening to you on radio a bit later today. Thanks, as always. All right, go get him, Frank. Thank you. 800-848-9222. If you want to comment on any portion of my discussion with Brian Kilmeade or anything else we've covered thus far, we're going to do 15 seconds of fame in just a moment. You'll be heard on any issue you like for 15 seconds. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight.